Hello, and welcome to the Pointy Sticks Podcast. I am your host, Anne-Marie, and I hope you enjoy joining me on my knitting, crafting, and bookish adventures. All right, here we go. This is officially episode number one. So full disclaimer, I totally intended on putting an episode out in September. I should have known, being a teacher, that releasing a trailer in August and thinking I was actually going to have time to record a full episode once school started was incredibly ludicrous wishful thinking. You know that thing where they say parents block out how crazy difficult having a newborn is the first few months? Well, I think teachers have that too, except it's with September. This is my 19th year of teaching, and I still seem to block out just how crazy September actually is. I think that's what makes it possible for teachers to go back to school year after year. So now it's mid-October, and I'm finally recording an episode, and my plan is to just kind of summarize my summer and then put out another episode that is more of an autumn episode. I haven't really worked out what I plan to have for segments in the podcast, so for now I'm just going to start with my works in progress. At the beginning of the summer, I finished my Salt Marsh Cove Tea. Salt Marsh Cove Tea. That's weirdly hard to say. But anyway, I'm really quite pleased with how it came out. I had bought a dress online that I really liked, but when it arrived, the top fit kind of funny. And it was sleeveless, so I wanted something that I could wear over it. The pattern is by Laura Ayler, and I did make it a bit more cropped than what she calls for. But other than that, really the only other modification I made was to steal the short row shaping directions from Tin Can Knit's Love Note pattern and use it to make the back hem a little longer than the front, I was thinking the cropped length and the uneven hem would look cute over a dress. I'll post some pictures of both the tee and the dress in the show notes, but overall I'm happy with how it turned out. I've really been trying to focus on using yarn from my stash lately. I have a lot of yarn, like a lot of yarn, like a whole room full of yarn. Back before we bought our house, In my old apartment, I had a pretty serious moth situation. It shouldn't have come to a surprise to me since we lived in an old textile mill that had been converted into lofts, but it did catch me off guard and I lost some finished knits that I had done and also some yarn. Since then, I've been much better about not having my yarn out on display and keeping it safely in plastic bins. It's definitely not as visually pleasing, but it is safer. What I learned from that dreaded moth situation was that if you hoard away your fanciest, favorite, most precious yarns, you are taking a chance that you're never going to get to knit something with them. So I'm really trying hard to buy in to the philosophy of burning the good candles. The idea that you should enjoy things now and not wait for the perfect time to use them. Basically, we don't know what the future holds, so burn the good candles, write in the fancy notebook, stick the stickers, and knit with the pretty yarn. All of this leads me to my works in progress. 
I've had this skein of Misty Alpaca hand-painted lace that I bought somewhere around 15-ish years ago on what I believe was my very first trip to Webb's. I'm not sure how to describe it other than sort of dark pastel. It's really highly variegated, and I loved it when I bought it, and I still really like it. But I really struggled to find a pattern that I felt like suited the yarn. I finally settled on the Erasure Shawl by Melanie Rice. It's mostly garter, which shows off the variegated yarn really nicely, and then it has a simple little detail along the edge that adds a little bit of visual interest. This has been my on-the-go knitting for a while now. It's only a two-row pattern repeat, so it's easy to memorize. And because it's lace weight, it squishes up into a tiny little bag and I can take it wherever I go, so if I have downtime, I can get a few rows in on it. I'd say I'm maybe about halfway through the skein of yarn, but it's 875 yards. I'm knitting it at a pretty loose gauge, so it's getting on the large side already. I'm not sure if I will use the whole skein or not. I might end up deciding that it's getting too big before I get to the end of the yarn. But for now, it's the perfect project to keep on me and for when I don't have the brain space for something complicated. My other deep stash work in progress is the morning ritual top. I'm making this in two colors of Knit Picks Shine Worsited. The main color is blush, which is a light pink, and the contrast color is a gray called Wallaby. I was trying to figure out when I bought this yarn, and I'm pretty sure I purchased the blush colorway somewhere around 2007? There's a pattern called Ophelia in a 2007 issue of Interweave Knits that I'm pretty sure was my original plan for this yarn, but I'm not positive on that. It's a little bit of a chicken and the egg situation. Did I buy the yarn to make that pattern, or did I get the magazine and see that pattern and think it would be a good plan for the yarn? I honestly don't know which one came first. But since that pattern was a sleeveless vest-like top, I did have kind of an odd amount of the blush color, not enough for a full sweater. My plan had been to use the wallaby with the blush to make a color block sweater pattern that I liked the texture of. But I ended up changing my mind again when I realized that I was kind of on the border of fitting into the largest size the pattern offered, and I would really rather knit patterns that are more size inclusive than that. It's one of the biggest letdowns when you see a pattern that you love and then you start reading through the sizing information only to realize that it doesn't go up to your size. Because I've experienced that so many times, I'm making a solid effort to not purchase patterns where my size is the biggest size. Really, I think designers can do better than that and offer at least a few more sizes above the one that I would pick for me. I don't think you can really call yourself size inclusive unless your designs go up to at least a 60 inch bust and that has to account for ease as well. But I'm getting a little off topic here. 
I ended up settling on this cute top called Morning Ritual, and I'm so close to being finished. It had been sitting untouched for kind of a while, and then over the October long weekend, my husband and I went out with some friends to the Catskills, and I made some really great progress on it there. It was a really awesome weekend away with great people and good food and sitting around the fire and knitting and chatting and not doing a puzzle. Everybody else worked on a puzzle, but I very much hate doing puzzles and tend to force the pieces where they don't go and then get mad when they don't fit. But because I sat out of the puzzle doing, I am now down to just having the ribbing on the sleeves to finish. So hopefully that will be off the needle soon and I can wear it. I think I need to sew a nice gray linen high-waisted skirt. I think that would look really cute with the top when it's done. However, that means I would have to actually do some sewing, which I've kind of dropped the ball on lately. I have a whole bunch of fabric and patterns matched up to it that I want to make, but I just couldn't find my sewing mojo this summer. The only thing I've sewn lately is some curtains for my mom. She took a new position at work this year, so she has a new little office space, and she wanted something cheerful to brighten it up. The curtains that were in there were like primary colors and sort of boring, so she picked out this black fabric that has a really bright, cheerful, multicolor pattern all over it. You can see some pictures on my Instagram, I'm sharp pointy sticks on there, of both the curtains and of my dog Frankie supervising me while I worked on the curtains. He has very strong opinions about me not giving him enough attention when I'm sewing. When I'm knitting, he can sit on the couch with me, so he's cool with that. He will try to climb up in my lap while I'm sewing, but that doesn't work out very well for either one of us. Although I didn't do much sewing this summer, I did do a ton of spinning. I'll put some pictures of my finished skeins in the show notes. Mostly I spun fiber from my Hello Yarn Club subscription. I do the single dose option, so I get about 4 ounces of fiber each month. I've been trying to spin them at as consistent a weight as I can. Each one I've been dividing in half and then doing a two-ply. A lot of my finished skeins look really nice together, so I'm thinking about maybe using them to make a shifty sweater by Andrea Mowry. I made the original cow pattern with hand spun and loved how it came out. Don't get me wrong, I love spin cycle, but it's a bit pricey to make a whole sweater out of, particularly in my size, and I just don't think it's in the budget right now. My dilemma is going to be what to use as my solid contrasting color. I'll post some pictures of my finished skeins, and if you have any thoughts on what would go well with them, let me know. Alright, on to books. Back in May, I stumbled across an ad for the app Fable and was intrigued right off the bat. It's sort of like social media for book lovers. I started a book club and invited a bunch of friends, and since then it's kind of taken off. 
There's about 65 members in the club right now. And what I love is that it's super low pressure. You can read the book, not read the book. You can comment a lot. You can just read the comments and not participate in the discussion at all. Whatever works best for you. It's been many years since I've been in an actual book club, and I'm enjoying the social aspect of reading the same book together again. I don't think that I can talk about all of the books that I've read recently because I have a super long commute, which means I listen to an actual shit ton of audiobooks. So I was thinking I would just recap what we've read in book club, and then in the future I'll talk about our monthly book pick and throw in any other recommendations of things that I've listened to and enjoyed. So for our inaugural month in May, we read Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. I gave this one four stars. I went into it not knowing anything about it at all, but it was recommended to me by several different people, so I picked it as our first book club read. I don't consider myself lacking in the vocabulary department, but one of the things that stood out to me was how many words I had to look up that I had never heard of before while I was reading this book. That's not an experience that I have often, but it didn't really bother me. I feel like the characters were meant to be super pretentious, and it was fitting with their personality that they would use these crazy, uncommon words. Though the plot is about video games, I don't think you have to play computer games to enjoy the book. I'm not really a computer game player, and I ended up still really feeling for the characters and wanting them to succeed and be happy. This was the first book that I read by this author, Gabriella Zelvin, and I ended up liking it enough that I checked out another one of her books, Young Jane Young, and ended up really liking that one too. So a definite recommend for both of those books. In June, we read Remarkably Bright Creatures by Shelby Van Pelt. This was an absolute five-star read for me. I will even go so far as to say that this might be one of my favorite books ever. Marcellus the Octopus is absolutely fantastic. He's curmudgeon and I love him. I very much want him to make an appearance in every book that I read from here on out. I don't want to give anything away because I personally absolutely hate spoilers, but this gets a highly recommend from me. Then in July, we read Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver. If you haven't heard of this, it's a modern retelling of Charles Dickens' David Copperfield. And even though I read a good amount of Dickens back in high school, I haven't read David Copperfield, and I do not think you need to have read it in order to enjoy this book. I gave this one four stars, but I really struggle with rating books like this. It's so hard to say that you enjoyed a book that had so much pain and suffering and misery in it. I had watched the miniseries Dope Sick a while before reading this book, so I kind of had an idea of where things were headed, but it truly broke my heart over and over again. And although I do recommend this book, it contains a lot of trauma. So if you've got some triggers, maybe look up the trigger warnings first before deciding if it's for you. For August, we read Sea of Tranquility by Emily St. John Mendel. 
She's the author that wrote Station Eleven, which was really popular, and The Glass Hotel, both of which I enjoyed a lot more than this one. She's an absolutely beautiful writer, but this book just kind of felt a little unfinished to me. I was interested in the story and where it was going, but then it just sort of abruptly ended. It did make me want to go back and revisit The Glass Hotel. I had listened to the audiobook, but a long time ago, and I guess this is sort of a sequel-ish. It's not set in the same timeline, but there's some overlap in the characters. I think it would be fair to call this more of a novella than a full-on novel, but I will continue to read books by her because her writing is beautiful and I enjoy it very much, even if this one was a little bit of a miss for me. And finally, in September, we read Black Cake, which I was a little meh on. I can't exactly put my finger on why this one wasn't a home run for me. I liked the characters. I liked the plot. I was interested and I kept reading. But everything just sort of got tied up so neatly that it was really hard for me to suspend my disbelief. I do plan on checking out the Hulu series that's based on the book, though. I feel like they could do some interesting things with the storyline. Well, that catches you up on all of our previous book club reads. If you decide to check any of them out, you are more than welcome to come discuss them on Fable. There is a past book section, so if you post there, I will see your comments and can read and respond to you. Or you can always jump right in with our current October pick, which is Wayward. We were trying to go for the spooky season witchy vibe. I know some people really love Halloween, and although I do enjoy it, I'm not completely Halloween obsessed. However, I really do like autumn in general. Even though it means going back to work for me, I like the chilly mornings, I like wearing hand-knit sweaters, I like getting cozy with tea or coffee and a book. So I'm happy that it's finally cooling down. We had some really weirdly hot days in September and October, and it's just starting to feel like fall now. Before I wrap up, I do have one additional recommendation that I want to make. It wasn't a book club book, but River Sing Me Home by Eleanor Shearer left a pretty big impression on me. This is another one of those books that's going to break your heart but it's definitely worth the read. Well, I think that about does it. We're just going to pretend like I actually was on the ball and posted this episode in September. Thank you for being patient while I figure out the whole recording schedule. Hopefully I will be back with an October episode before the end of the month or at the very beginning of November. But until then, read books, be crafty, and drop your eyes.